0: The French Revolution, A History, by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 2, The Constitution, Book 3, The Tuileries, Chapter 3, Sword in Hand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by Peter Dan. Book 3, Chapter 3, Sword in Hand. On such wonderful basis, however, has law, royalty, authority, and whatever yet exists of visible order to maintain itself while it can. Here, as in that commixture of the four elements did the anarch old has the august assembly spread its pavilion, curtained by the dark infinite of discords, founded on the wavering bottomless of the abyss, and keeps continual hubbub time is around it and eternity and the inane and it does what it can what is given it to do glancing reluctantly in once more we discern little that is edifying a constitutional theory of defective verbs struggling forward with perseverance amid endless interruptions mirabeau from his tribune with the weight of his name and genius awing down much jacobin violence which in return vents itself the louder over in its jacobin's hall and even reads him sharp lectures there this man's path is mysterious questionable difficult and he walks without companion in it Pure patriotism does not now count him among her chosen. Pure royalism abhors him, yet his weight with the world is overwhelming. Let him travel on, companionless, unwavering, whither he is bound, while it is yet day with him and the night has not come. But the chosen band of pure patriot brothers is small, counting only some thirty seated now on the extreme tip of the left, separate from the world. A virtuous Pétion, an incorruptible Robespierre, most consistent, incorruptible, of thin, acrid men. Triumvir's Barnave, Dupour, Lameth, great in speech, thought, action, each according to his kind. A lean old Goupil de prefel On these, and what will follow them, has pure patriotism to depend. There, too conspicuous among the thirty, if seldom audible, Philippe d'Orléans may be seen sitting, in dim, fuliginous bewilderment, having, one might say, arrived at chaos. Gleams there are at once of a lieutenancy and regency, Debates in the assembly itself, of succession to the throne, in case the present branch should fail. And Philippe, they say, walked anxiously, in silence, through the corridors, till such high argument were done. But it came all to nothing. Mirabeau, glaring into the man and through him, had to ejaculate in strong, untranslatable language, «Ce blanc va pas la pain qu'on ce donne pour lui » it came all to nothing, and in the meanwhile Philippe's money, they say, is gone. Could he refuse a little cash to a gifted patriot in want only of that, he himself in want of all but that? Not a pamphlet can be printed without cash, or indeed written without food purchasable by cash. Without cash your hopefulest projector cannot stir from the spot. Individual patriotic or other projects require cash." How much more do widespread intrigues, which live and exist by cash, lying widespread with dragon appetite for cash, fit to swallow princedoms? And so Prince Philippe, amid his silleries, lacloses and confused sons of night, has rolled along, the centre of the strangest cloudy coil, out of which has visibly come, as we often say, an epic preternatural machinery of suspicion and within which there has dwelt and worked what specialities of treason stratagem aimed or aimless endeavour towards mischief no party living if it be not the presiding genius of it prince of the power of air has now any chance to know camille's conjecture is the likeliest that poor Philippe did mount up a little way in treasonable speculation as he mounted formerly in one of the earliest balloons, but frightened at the new position he was getting into, had soon turned the cock again and come down. More fool than he rose. To create preternatural suspicion, this was his function in the revolutionary epos. But now, if he have lost his cornucopia of ready money, what else had he to lose? In thick darkness, inward and outward, he must welter and flounder on, In that piteous death element, the hapless man. Once or even twice we shall still behold him emerged, Struggling out of the thick death element, in vain. For one moment it is the last moment, he starts aloft, or is flung aloft, Even into clearness and a kind of memorability, to sink then for evermore. The Cote d'Ivoire persists no less, Nay, with more animation than ever, Though hope is now well-nigh fled. Tough Abbe-Maurie, when the obscure country royalist Grasps his hand with transport of thanks, Answers rolling his indomitable brass head, "Eh là, monsieur, all that I can do here is as good as simply nothing. Gallant Fosigny visibly this one time in history, advances frantic into the middle of the hall, exclaiming, there is but one way of dealing with it, and that is to fall sword in hand on those gentry there, sabre à la main sur ces gaillards-là, frantically indicating our chosen thirty on the extreme tip of the left, whereupon is clangour and clamour, debate, repentance, evaporation. Things ripen towards downright incompatibility, and what is called scission, that fierce, theoretic onslaught of Forsyny's, was in August 1790. Next August will not have come till a famed 292, the Chosen of Royalism, make solemn, final scission from an assembly given up to faction, and depart, shaking the dust off their feet. Connected with this matter of sword in hand, there is yet another thing to be noted. Of duels we have sometimes spoken, how in all parts of France innumerable duels were fought, and argumentative men and messmates, flinging down the wine cup and weapons of reason and repartee, met in the measured field, to part bleeding, or perhaps not to part, but to fall mutually skewered through with iron, their wrath and life alike ending and die as fools die, long has this lasted, and still lasts. But now it would seem as if, in an august assembly itself, traitorous royalism in its despair has taken to a new course, that of cutting off patriotism by systematic duel. Bully swordsmen, spadasins of that party, go swaggering, or indeed they can be had for a trifle of money. Twelve Spadassons were seen by the yellow eye of journalism, arriving recently out of Switzerland. Also a considerable number of assassins, nombre considerable d'assassins, exercising in fencing schools and at pistol targets. Any Patriot deputy of Mark can be called out. Let him escape one time or ten times, a time there necessarily is when he must fall and France mourn how many cartels has mirabeau had especially while he was the people's champion cartels by the hundred which he since the constitution must be made first and his time is precious answers now always with a kind of stereotype formula monsieur you are put upon my list but i warn you that it is long and i grant no preferences then in autumn had we not the duel of cazales and barnave the two chief masters of tongue-shot meeting now to exchange pistol-shot for cazales chief of the royalists whom we call blacks or noirs said in a moment of passion the patriots were sheer brigands nay in so speaking he darted or seemed to dart a fire glance specially at barnave who thereupon could not but reply by fire-glances by adjournment to the bois de boulogne Barnave's second shot took effect on Kazali's hat. The front nook of a triangular felt, such as mortals then wore, deadened the ball, and saved that fine brow from more than temporary injury. But how easily might the lot have fallen the other way, and Barnave's hat not been so good? Patriotism raises its loud denunciations of duelling in general, petitions an august assembly to stop such feudal barbarism by law. Barbarism and solecism, for will it convince or convict any man to blow half an ounce of lead through the head of him? Surely not. Barnave was received at the Jacobins with embraces, yet with rebukes. Mindful of which, and also that his reputation in America was that of headlong foolhardiness, rather, and want of brain, not of heart. Charles Lameth does, on the eleventh day of November, with little emotion, decline attending some hot young gentleman from Artois, come expressly to challenge him. Nay, indeed, he first coldly engages to attend, then coldly permits two friends to attend instead of him, and shame the young gentleman out of it, which they successfully do a cold procedure, satisfactory to the two friends, to Lameth and the hot young gentleman, whereby one might have fancied the whole matter was cooled down. Not so, however. Lameth, proceeding to his senatorial duties in the decline of the day, is met in those assembly corridors by nothing but royalist brocades, sniffs, huffs, and open insults. Human patience has its limits, "'Monsieur,' said math breaking silence to one Lautrec, "'a man with hunchback or natural deformity, "'but sharp of tongue and a black of the deepest tint. "'Monsieur, if you were a man to be fought with, "'I am one,' cries the young Duke de Castries. Fast as fire-flash, Lemath replies, "'Tout a l'heure, on the instant, then. "'And so, as the shades of dusk thicken in that Bois de Boulogne, "'we behold two men with lion look,' with alert attitude, side-foremost, right-foot-advanced, flourishing and thrusting, stoccado and passado, in and quart, intent to skewer one another. See, with most skewering purpose, headlong Lameth, with his whole weight, makes a furious lunge, but deft Castrier whisks aside. Lameth skewers only the air, and slits deep and far on Castrier's sword-point his own extended left arm whereupon, with bleeding pallor, surgeons' lint and formalities, the duel is considered satisfactorily done. But will there be an end, then? Beloved Lameth lies deep slit, not out of danger. Black traitorous aristocrats kill the people's defenders, cut up not with arguments, but with rapier slits. And the twelve spadisons out of Switzerland, and the considerable number of assassins exercising at the pistol target so meditates and ejaculates hurt patriotism with ever-deepening ever-widening fervour for the space of six-and-thirty hours the thirty-six hours passed on saturday the thirteenth one beholds a new spectacle the rue de varennes and neighbouring boulevard des invalides covered with a mixed flowing multitude the castri hotel gone distracted devil-ridden, belching from every window, beds with clothes and curtains, plate of silver and gold, with filigrees, mirrors, pictures, images, commodes, chiffoniers, and endless crockery and jingle, amid steady popular cheers, absolutely without theft, for there goes a cry, he shall be hanged that steals a nail. It is a plebiscitum, or informal iconoclastic decree of the common people in the course of being executed. The municipalities sit tremulous, deliberating whether they will hang out the drapeau rouge and martial law. National assembly, part in loud wail, part in hardly suppressed applause. Abbe-Maurie, unable to decide whether the iconoclastic plebs amount to forty thousand or to two hundred thousand. Deputations, swift messengers, for it is at a distance over the river, come and go. Lafayette and National Guards, though without drapeau rouge, get under way, apparently in no hot haste. Nay, arrived on the scene, Lafayette salutes with doffed hat before ordering to fix bayonets. What avails it? The plebeian court of cassation, as Camille might punningly name it, has done its work, steps forth with unbuttoned vest, with pockets turned inside out, sack and just ravage, not plunder. With inexhaustible patience, the hero of two worlds remonstrates persuasively with a kind of sweet constraint, though also with fixed bayonets, dissipates, hushes down. On the morrow it is once more all as usual. Considering which things, however, Duke Castrier may justly write to the President, justly transport himself across the marches to raise a corps or do what else is in him. Royalism totally abandons that Bobadillian method of contest, and the twelve Spaddersons return to Switzerland, or even to dreamland, through the Horngate, whichsoever their home is. Nay, editor Prudhomme is authorised to publish a curious thing. We are authorised to publish, says he, dull blustering publisher, that M. Boyer, champion of good patriots, is at the head of fifty Spaddersinicides, or bully killers. His address is... Passage du Bois Boulogne, Faubourg Saint Denis. One of the strangest institutes, this of Champion Boyer and the Bully Killers, whose services, however, are not wanted, Royalism having abandoned the rapier method as plainly impracticable. End of book three, chapter three.